All right. Amen. How are you? Good. I was sent a text last night that I just thought was hilarious. Actually, it was an email. And it said this. To those of you who made a ninth inning promise last Wednesday, welcome. It's good to have you here. If you don't know what that means, you can ask your neighbor later. Um, But yeah, it's good to have you here. Good to be here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for your goodness. You are great, and we are not. But we're so thankful that you poured yourself into us, that you died for us. This morning, we're asking God that you reveal your word, fear not, to us in such a powerful way. Lord, would you hide everything else? Would you be glorified this morning and let your word come alive? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, this morning, I guess let's stand. Let's read Matthew chapter 8, the whole chapter. No kidding. Uh, We're going to meet just a, a portion of Matthew 28. I'm sorry, 8, 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. You may be seated. What are you afraid of? In front of you, in uh, the seats in front of you, there are cards. There are yellow cards in front of you. If you don't have one, you can ask someone behind you. It says, what are you afraid of on one side? We just pull that out. Grab a pen. Um, If you don't have one, steal your neighbor's. Find a pen. Everybody needs a pen. Grab that piece of paper. I want you just for a minute to write down some things that you are afraid of that generally bring fear. You don't have to make stuff up like boogeyman and stuff like that. Just something that you're afraid of. Now, I normally wouldn't really get into writing down negative things, but I want us to, to look at this and see this in front of us. What are some things that you are afraid of? Go ahead. You can start writing. You don't need to wait. Um, what are some things that, that come up or conjure these feelings that you just don't like? You get nervous. Um, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's having kids. Um, For some, it could be a person um, or a place. It could be a dream. It could be something that you've tried and failed at. It could be death. It could be anything. So if you just write some of those things down. And I just want to say this morning that not, there's, there isn't a person in the world that hasn't experienced fear. We all experience it. We all run into it. It doesn't matter how big or small we are. It doesn't matter how powerful we think we are. We all encounter fear in our life. Things happen all the time around us. Um, there's fear now in our country, and we've been re- praying, and, and we need to be reminded it doesn't matter. As a church, as believers, we need to rise up, and we need to walk in faith. We need to trust God. I heard someone say the other day that it doesn't matter who gets elected president, they're moving to Canada. That's a response of fear, all right? We don't, we don't need to run to Canada. We need to run to God, okay? We need to pray and seek God's face and trust in him. Sometimes things happen to us personally that bring on this 
part of fear in us. And maybe it's a, for a moment, it might seem like it lasts for a lifetime. But we, things happen to us, and we experience fear. When I was 21 years old, I was living in Dallas, Texas. I was working in downtown Dallas as, um, in the West End Marketplace, and I would park rich people's cars. Now, there's nothing wrong uh, with a job of parking other people's cars. In fact, I think it's a great job. People drive up, they're nice expensive cars that I'll never be able to afford, and they pay you to park it and pick it up and bring it back to them. So I was doing that, and um, normally we would work from 7 till 2 in the morning. Most of the time it died down about 12.30, 1 o'clock. And at this particular night, we had... There was like five or six of us, and what we would do is we would just pool our tips together at the end, and then we'd divide them up equally and give them to each other. And I had just done that, taking all the tips out of my pocket, giving it to the, the head guy there. He was dividing them up, and I took this car. It was a Mustang. It was a 1989 Mustang. It was beautiful. It had a convertible top, and it was five-speed, and I know that. No, anyway. Uh, so I parked this car. Get out, fill out the tag, and as I'm filling out the tag, this guy comes up to me, and he asks if I have a light. I'm sorry, I said, I'm sorry, I don't have a light. And he pulls out a gun, and he puts it to my head. Now, I, I, he just said, I need all your money. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I don't have any of that. I have the keys to this car. I have the keys to this Cadillac that was next to it, and the key to my car that was three down that nobody wanted. <laughs> as he's holding the gun to my head... He starts shaking, and, I, and he just says, I should just shoot you. And I said, I don't know what you want me to do. And he takes the gun, and he puts it back into his pants, and he walks away. Now, I didn't experience fear at all until my drive home. And as I get in my car, and I'm driving home, I begin to shake and quiver, and I begin to just weep and realized it, ju- it could have just ended like that. And I just allowed this fear to overtake me. I called my, well, then fiance, and then I called my parents. I'm calling all these people. I was like, I almost died. And this realization, and then I couldn't sleep that night, obviously. Uh, Next morning, I was just a basket case. And I just experienced this overwhelming fear in my life and for my life. And I immediately went to friends of mine, and I said, I need need you to pray with me. I I can't handle this. And we just began to pray, and the fear began to leave, and I, and I just began to walk in victory. And there were, there were times past that that I would wake up in a cold sweat remembering. I remember those things. I remember the guy so specifically, and everything that he was wearing and everything. I remember everything about that time, although it only lasted a few minutes. But fear came in and began to just take over some parts of my life. Sometimes we're afraid of the future, the unknown, what we can't see. There was this criminal who had been caught for doing this crime, and because his crime was so severe, he was sent to the king for his punishment. When he got before the king, the king said, you have two choices for your punishment. One, he said, pointing to the rope and the gallows, you can be hung Uh, by the neck, or you can uh, have what's behind this door. And it was this big, iron, scary door. And the criminal immediately said, I'll I'll take the rope. And as they were putting the rope around 
his head and around his neck. He looked at the king and he said, by the way, out of curiosity, what's behind the door? The king laughed and he said, you know, it's funny. I offer everyone the same choice and nearly everyone picks the rope. So the criminal asked, so tell me what's behind the door? I mean, obviously I'm not going to tell anyone. And the king paused for a minute and he said, freedom. Freedom's behind the door. But it seems most people are so afraid of the unknown that they immediately take the rope. Jesus came so that we could be free. Free of our sin and shame and free from fear. God wants us free. But so many times we're unsure and we don't know what lies ahead that will take the easy route and take the easy road and will stay and will live in fear. What are you afraid of? What we can't see, what we don't know, what we don't understand. One thing we need to understand is this, that fear works against us. Fear works against us. Fear is a tool that the enemy uses to keep us from joy, from freedom, from fulfilling our destiny. God wants us to walk by faith. Faith says, I'm confident in what I hope for. The evidence of things that I cannot see. I'm confident in the things I hope for. We need to learn, myself included, need to learn to walk in faith. When fear comes and shows its ugly head in my life, I need to turn away from my circumstances and turn to God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I probably say this verse a lot, probably too much at Activate, probably, I don't know, I probably said it here a lot, but it's a reminder that we hear the word of God over and over and over again. I've read in several situations, circumstances, and on the internet that that the word fear not or do not be afraid is mentioned in the Bible 365 times. Do not be afraid. The word of God reminds us, the Bible reminds us over and over and over again, fear not. In fact, Jesus uses this statement over and over with his disciples and it's a good reminder for us, do not be afraid. Don't allow situations and circumstances to rob you of the joy and the freedom that God has for you. If we do, we allow the devil to use fear against us and make us miserable and ultimately destroy us. So fear begins with a thought. It comes into our head. Back to my story. Fear didn't set in until I started playing it over and thinking about it and then being overcome by it. Fear starts as a thought, but over time it begins to control us. In Psalms chapter 23, verse 7, it tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What do you think about? And what are you afraid of? We learned, we've learned to be afraid, but we can unlearn. We can unlearn it as well. I think there's more than 2,000 fears mentioned on the internet. 
don't go look them up. Some of them are just ridiculous. There's actually a fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. I don't make this stuff up. Uh, so I guess that person's not eating peanut butter. Pastor Mark uh, Patterson says this, fear should be renamed interfere because it interferes with the plans and the purposes that God has set up for us. What are we afraid of? Back to our story. Then he got in the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up, up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the wave, waves obey him. In some translations, it says, and they feared a great fear. After Jesus had calmed the storm, the disciples were, they feared a great fear saying, okay, who is this? All right, we were afraid of the storm, but now we're afraid of the guy in the boat with us. Who is this guy who can calm the storm? Jesus replied, you of little faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And when we're afraid, many times our first response is not faith. Our first response is in faith. And in, in the Bible, the, the Lord is trying to teach us, respond in faith. Oh. The disciples responded to what they saw around them, right? They, these, were, these were fishermen in a boat on the lake. That's what fishermen do, right? They've encountered storms before, but they were greatly afraid, they looked at their circumstances and fear becomes greater when you trust in what is seen rather than trusting in what is unseen. And Jesus was right there in the boat with them. I mean, they had seen him heal a man of leprosy. They had gone in and Peter's mother-in-law was sick and he touched her and healed her and she cooked them. They'd seen all this stuff and they'd heard Jesus talking to them and, and they kind of knew who he was, but when the storm came up, they had forgotten who he was and they've forgotten what he could do. He was asleep in a boat right there. How many times have we responded to our circumstances and we felt like God was nowhere around? We just felt like he wasn't even there. Like, why am I going through this? What's going on? You're, are you even here? Or you've asked God for something, you've prayed earnestly for something, and it was like, God was asleep. That Jesus wasn't even here in our prayer. The disciples know exactly how we feel. They were in a storm, in a boat, and Jesus was right there. And the storm was still happening. And Jesus was still asleep. Now, I'm not convinced that Jesus was asleep. I mean, it says he was asleep, but do you ever, have, you ever do this with your kids? You pretend you're asleep and you're watching to see what they're doing? I just wonder, I just wonder, is Jesus really asleep or is he watching to see how his disciples are going to respond to what's going on around them? It's just my personal thought. Even when we think Jesus is asleep and he's not listening and he's not around, he's right there with us. He's right there with us and all we have to do is respond in faith and believe and Jesus will calm the storm in our life. He'll take control. 
when we begin, we begin to feel the tingles of fear in us, we need to respond in faith, believing. So Jesus does this with his disciples throughout, throughout his time with them. All the things that they're getting to see Jesus do and the conversations that they're having with him. And one day, Jesus gathers the disciples together and he says, hey, I'm going to, I'm sending you out two by two. This is in Matthew chapter 10. I'm sending you out two by two and I'm giving you all authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick, to lay your hands uh, on people with leprosy and see them healed, to raise the dead, to do all these things. And I'm sending you out now and I want you, don't take any extra clothing, don't take any extra shoes, don't take any money, don't take any food. And I'm sending you to the lost sheep of the Israel, Israel. And I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Now, I can't even imagine what the disciples are thinking at this point, because if I'm in this little circle around and Jesus is telling me all this, I'm like, who's he talking about? I'm not going out there. I'm not doing this. Like, who's he talking to? And Jesus is saying, look, this is what's going to happen. People are going to insult you. People are going to throw you in jail. They're going to question what you're doing and why you're doing it. They're going to do all these things. And then he goes in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. He tells them all of this and he says, but do not be afraid. Don't do n- be afraid of those who threaten you. For a time is coming when everything that is un- was covered will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known. What I tell you in the darkness Speak, declare, shout abroad when daylight, daybreak comes. What I whisper in the ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Do not be afraid of the ones who can kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear says, I can't do this. And faith says, I can do all things through Christ. Fear has a loud voice. (laughs) Did you ever notice that? Something happens in your face and all of a sudden you're afraid. That's what you hear. That's loud. You don't hear this. You don't hear faith. You don't hear this little thing say, faith, rise up faith. We have to learn to rise up in faith and to walk in faith. So for 40 days and nights, the Israelites were camped up on this ridge. And there's a valley, and on the other side of the valley, on the other ridge, the Philistines are there. They're supposed to be in war. But many times in in that area, in order to avoid a lot of bloodshed on both sides, they would send down their greatest fighter. And the rules of war are determined beforehand. Whoever wins gets whatever, either the land or the, you become slaves, whatever it is. And so the Philistines send down Goliath. We've heard this story many times. And Goliath, every morning and every evening, he comes down into the valley and he begins to shout his curses. He begins to really make fun of the Israelites and, and then challenge them to bring down their greatest warrior. This is going on when David shows up to bring food to his brothers and bring a report back to his dad. And he hears Goliath and something inside of David rises up. He's not powerful. He's not strong. 
He's a shepherd boy. He's in the lowest class of occupation. He's taking care of sheep. But something happens inside of David. The Israelites, every time Goliath came down into the valley, the Israelites would back up and cower in fear. Saul was sitting away from the army. He was cowering in fear, wondering who was going to try and take this giant, just thinking we're doomed. We're doomed. We're, I'm going to send down, somebody's going to go out and fight this guy or they're just going to kill us. But David says, I will kill this giant. And Saul finds out about it and Saul says, looks at David and, and kind of laughs like, who are you? Like, you're just a boy. This guy's been a warrior, a champion since his youth. You're just a shepherd boy. And somehow David convinces Saul because Saul really doesn't have any other options. And Saul begins to put him in armor because the rules were Goliath was down there fully armored, ready to go. He was ready for hand-to-hand combat. Send down another warrior. We're going to fight this way. But David gets this on. He's not used to it. He says, take this off me. I can't fight this way. And he fought the only way he knew how to fight. He knew how to throw a rock in a sling. And the Bible says that he ran down to meet Goliath. He ran down to meet Goliath. And while Goliath is all worried about who is coming down to meet him, he has nothing in his hand but a stick. He's worried about that. David is lining up to do what he went down to do, and that is to kill the giant. David didn't care about the rules of war. He didn't care about how big and powerful Goliath was. And while Saul and his, Saul and his entire army are cowering in fear, a little shepherd boy took care of business. David didn't look at circumstances and he didn't think about his chances. He didn't look at how big Goliath was and how small he was. He responded in faith and he was empowered by the living God. The thing that just gets me every time I read that story is he knew God. He knew who his God was. He told Saul, look, I've, I've had a bear come in and steal one of my sheep and I chased it and I grabbed that sheep out of his mouth. What? If I'm watching a hundred sheep and a bear comes and steals one sheep, I'm just getting the 99 around me going, okay, guys, you need to stay a little closer. But David runs after the bear. He grabs the sheep from his mouth. And then it says that when the bear turned on him, he grabbed him by his jaw and he beat him to death. What? And I did the same thing to a lion too, by the way. David isn't any different than you and I, except that he knew who God was. And he knew that God was more powerful. And he trusted God. He had faith when he went and ran towards Goliath. When everyone else was afraid, David ran to it. It's faith in action. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? I'm asking because I say that my, my, to myself all the time. What am I afraid of? There's this other man in the Bible. His name is Benaiah. It's in First Chronicles. It's, David is king now. He's had these mighty men surrounding him, these incredible warriors. You can read about it. I think it's actually chapter 11, isn't it? Yeah, 11. And uh, 
But there's this mention of Beniah, and it says, Beniah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kebzeel, he performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day, and he killed a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall. It's over seven feet. And although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Beniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Beniah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. I don't know what you take out of that. I'm sure David is looking at the resumes for his mighty men and who he wants surrounding him. And he sees Beniah and he's like, okay, he killed a giant. Huh, I've killed a giant. He chased a lion? He chased a lion in the snow. Now, Beniah chased a lion. Now, I don't know. I think about a, a million out of a million people, when they see a lion, they run. They run as fast as they can, or they shake in fear, or they try and look fat-free because there's not a lion in the world that wants a fat-free meal. But the last thing they do is chase a lion. But Benaiah is face-to-face, or somehow I'm just face-to-face with a 500-pound man-eater, and Benaiah decides to run after him in the snow. And so I can just imagine this 500-pound lion is running, you know, looking behind, I'm scared. This crazy man is chasing me. And the Bible says that the lion falls into a pit, And Benaiah walks up to it, and again, I would be like, okay, you'll die in that pit. But Benaiah jumps into the pit and kills the lion. Why? Because faith is action. I don't have no idea what was going through Benaiah's mind at that time. But I know this, that God is good at getting us where he wants us to go. And Benaiah was put in charge of his mighty warriors. The devil's good at putting us in a place where we fear. He's good at putting obstacles of fear and doubt and unbelief in our way to hinder what God has set up for us in advance. There are times in your life and in mine where the right places seem like the wrong places and the right times seem like the right times. Have you been there? The right places seem like the wrong times and the right places seem like the wrong places. But what are we really afraid of? Now faith is. It's renewing our mind every day and reminding ourselves that there's nothing to be afraid of. Some of us are afraid of using the gifts and talents that God has given us because it makes us, it'll make us do something that we're uncomfortable doing or it's unknown. Or we've tried to use the gifts that God's given us and we failed. And so in that failure, we gave up. We stopped. But the way you overcome the fear of failure is not by success, it's by failure. The way you overcome failure is by failing a little at a time. We need to be exposed to small doses of whatever we're afraid of in order to build up immunity to it. 
when Thomas Edison was approached and said, how do you feel about failing 10,000 times? Edison was clear. He said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. It's all in our perspective. Failure doesn't diminish your gift. It doesn't diminish who you are. It doesn't diminish who God's power in you. It's our perspective. We need to rise up in faith and believe to take the things that God has given us and to apply it, our faith to that and say, okay, God, I have a passion inside of me. I'm going to believe you that it's going to come to pass. I'm going to step out in faith. And when we fail, we get back up and we try again. And we go over and over again. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I just want to stop there. I want you to notice now, this is just a few chapters later, but they're getting in the boat again to go to the other side again. But this time, Jesus makes them get in the boat, okay? He does it the first time in in chapter 8. It says that Jesus got in the boat and his disciples followed him. This time it says Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. He commanded them, get in the boat. And I can just imagine that the disciples are thinking, the last time we got in this boat on this lake did not bear very well for us. It did not go good. Now he's sending us without him to go. And they get... He, get, he goes, no, no, go ahead. You guys get in. And then he pushes them off. I'll meet you on the other side. And he goes to dismiss the crowd. And then it says that after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before G- dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, who did they see? Who did they see? Jesus, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They, oh, they knew it was Jesus when they saw him, and yet they were terrified. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll stop. I'll, just, I'll come right back to that. I just think the disciples just is a great reminder for us. The fear's going to come, and we're going to respond wrong, and then we'll get it. And fear's going to come, and we'll respond wrong, and we'll get it. And fear will come, and we'll respond. And sooner or later, we're going to respond in faith rather than fear. We're going to respond the right way. I just can hear Jesus going, I mean, this is, again, my mind. It's, go, if you go back, can you go back? It says, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. My mind says, Jesus is going, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? We've gone through this already many times. This isn't the first time. But he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. At this point, the disciples have seen him do just about everything. They've seen him raise the dead. He's healed a paralytic, a sick woman, several blind men, a deaf man. They've seen it all. And then they see him walking on the water and they still 
don't get it. They still don't know. They, they don't know who he is. They don't know why he's doing what he's doing. They're unsure. And Jesus is teaching them. And I believe he's teaching us. Walk by faith. Just believe. Just believe that I am who I said I am. And I'm doing what you've seen me doing all these things. Just believe. The disciples failed the test. They fail again and again, and it sounds a lot like me. And again, and again, and again. And God, you guys, God's not mad at us when we fail. Look at the disciples. I mean, he's with them every single day. He was just with them a few hours ago, and then they see him walking on the water, and they're still afraid. And where my natural mind goes, where Jesus should be like, guys, you're killing me here. Jesus says, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. All we need is a little faith. You go back to the, you go into the Garden of Eden, or the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is there, he's being preparing himself for what's about to take place and the guards come and they're all armed and the disciples aren't and and they grab Jesus and it says that the disciples fled and they ran because they were afraid that the same thing was going to happen to them they were going to catch them and they were going to capture them and put them in prison they failed again and again and again just like us gone through test after test but they finally got it. They finally got it. They finally understood. Do not fear the one who can kill the body and not the soul. Do not fear. See, we get afraid when we hear a bad report from the doctor and we get afraid when, and I'm not saying that those aren't real. They are real. But the response needs to be, God, I trust you. God, you're with me. God, you hear me. You know me. You have plans for me. The way we respond is all the difference in the world because fear empowers fear. But faith empowers faith. We need more faith. I need more faith in my life. I need to come to a situation in my life. I need to get to that point where I know right away I need my faith to rise up. And I need to walk by faith and not by what I see. All of the disciples, minus John, died horrible deaths because they knew no one could kill them. They were already dead. There was nothing that man could do to them. They were unwilling to deny their faith. And because they were unwilling to deny their faith, they died. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Paul said, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We're here, we live on this earth, we do the things that we do every day. The ultimate goal is to glorify God, to lift him up and to, to fulfill our purpose while we're here. When we die... We experience Jesus. We experience God the Father for all of eternity. 
We're going to go through test after test. We'll probably fail time and time again. Some of the fears will be big and obvious and some will be small. We won't even know we have them. But the enemy will use fear to to disable us and hold us back. Respond in faith and empower faith. It's greater than fear. And what we need is a revelation of God's word in us. And we need to cling to it. Because even when you think he's not with you, he's with you. And he sees you. And he's not sleeping. He hears you. Stand on the promises. Write them down. Know them in your heart. Because when you're faced with situations that start to bring on fear and doubt, you'll cling to those things that you've memorized and you know. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a promise. God said it. He can't go back on it. I will never leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you with my victorious right hand. You see, Jesus is the victor. He conquered sin and he conquered death. And because we're attached to him, he's the vine and we are the branches, we are victorious. Don't allow fear to bring you down. You rise up. You're connected to the Father. You rise up in courage. You take, you take a stand. You move forward. You rise up. Faith chases lions. It kills giants. It calms storms. It eliminates fears. It allows you to move forward and fulfill your God-given destiny. And when we respond in faith, we empower faith. In Acts 13, 36, it said, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When David had served his purpose, whose purpose? God's purpose. In his generation, he fell asleep. You've heard this many times before. God has a plan for your life. He's purposed it. He's destined it before you were ever created. God has a way of getting us to that point, but we have a choice. We can respond in fear and we can be held back and we can just live our life that way or we can respond in faith and we can rise up. See, we don't know the final chapter of our life, but we can be confident of this thing. He who began this good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He starts what he finishes. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And there are many factors in your life and in my life that we have no control over. over. Our background, our race, our nationality, our giftedness, our age, those things are set and determined by God long before we were ever born. But there's one important factor that we, haven't contr- we do have control over. How much you choose to believe God as you serve your generation according to his will. We can't go back and change things. All we can do is serve our generation right here, right now. We can ask God and say, we can invite God in and say, God, I want to fulfill my purpose in this generation. That means we're going to have to walk by faith. That means we're going to have to rise up. And remember, 
God says, fear not. I am with you. I want you to look at your piece of paper again. Grab that piece of paper that you wrote on and look at it. Some of those things that you've written down on that piece of paper are standing in, your, in the way of fulfilling God's ordained plan for your life. Some of those things are standing in the way of you moving forward and getting the victory. Chase your lion. Kill your giant. Calm the storm. Trust God. Rise up. You've heard Pastor Tom and others say this, that the acrostic for fear is, to, is false evidence appearing real. Unfortunately, our generation fears everything and runs. We run away from our destiny. We run away from our plans. We run away from God because we're afraid. If I follow God, he's going to have me do something that I don't want to do. We're afraid. So instead of facing everything, we fear everything and we run. God's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. God wants you to get in line with the purpose that you were created for. He wants you to line up with the, the, the very diagram that he's created for your life to fulfill your purpose in this generation. Rise up. Face everything and rise. There's your new acrostic. Face everything and rise. You can't do it alone. David couldn't kill a giant with his own strength. David had to kill a giant by trusting God and believing. Goliath was just another enemy of God and, and he was on God's side. He was going to trust God and believe and therefore he conquered. Face everything and rise. Benaiah chased his lion because that's what confidence does. No matter what, no matter what stands in your way, rise up. Push fear down. I'm going to have the worship team come. We're going we're gonna to watch a video here in just a second. But I want you to know this morning that faith, faith destroys fear. Faith destroys fear. And the things that are holding onto you, that have gripped you, can be destroyed if you trust God and believe. Have faith and rise. Let's watch this video and I'll come back. I used to be afraid at night. Afraid of the dark. Afraid that just beyond the point my eyesight allowed me to see that there was something lurking. Afraid that the darkness itself would somehow surround me and swallow me up. As if darkness were anything more than simply the absence of light. I used to be afraid of tomorrow. Afraid that who I was would continually dictate who I am and that who I would be might be someone who I didn't like very much at all. As if there was no such thing as being made new. I used to be afraid of opinions. Afraid that the words would not break my bones, they certainly would shatter my dreams. As if I started doing this for the approval of many rather than the glory of one. I used to be afraid of failure, afraid of losing, 
afraid of falling, afraid of being wrong, creating busts, and looking absolutely stupid, because who am I to think that I could ever actually make a difference? As if those setbacks were anything more than stepping stones on the path to success. I used to be afraid. Used to. But then I did a little research. And by that, I mean I researched and I researched and I researched over and over again. And through all my researching, I kept coming up with the same exact question. What room does fear have? What room does fear have when I cling to trust? What room does fear have when I lean on hope? What room does fear have when I search for something more, when I discover what's good, and when I stand in awe? When I run with perseverance, when I walk by faith, and when I rest in comfort? What room does fear have when I sing with praise, when I take hold of inspiration, explore the possibilities, and step into freedom? What room does fear have when I discover strength? Embrace courage, remember peace, declare truth, choose joy, experience life, and conquer death. What room does fear have when I find perfection in the one place I never thought to look? In weakness, when I'm saved by the most unlikely of heroes, by grace, when I'm invited into a relationship more loving and intimate than I could ever imagine as a child of God. I'll ask you again, what room does fear have when I step out of the darkness and I bask in the light? When I let the past be the past and the future has no limit, when they can talk all they want, but their opinion doesn't matter, and when failure is nothing more and nothing less than the road by which I walk my path to success. I'll ask you one last time. What room does fear have when in his word he tells me 365 times, depending on the translation, do not be afraid? As if I needed to hear that every single day. And as if that's how many times I needed to hear it before I finally believed it. What room does fear have? When I make room for love, what are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? Perfect love, God's perfect love, cows out all fear. Worship Tom, worship team is going to sing this song. And as they're singing it, I want you to take your card again and flip it over. And I want you to think about what you've written on one side. And on the top, it has lines. I just want you to write in there, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. And on the cross that goes down, you write in, face everything and rise you broke my chains of sin